Welcome to the Diversity in Action podcast, presented by the BLX Internship Program. Join us as our hosts, Luis Rosa and Sean Tedlaska, interview guests from across the financial planning field to highlight the real change that's happening in our industry. If you are tired of just talking about diversity and want to learn what others are doing to make the demographics of our profession more closely match the population of this country, this podcast is for you. This episode is brought to you by NAPFA. Since 1983, NAPFA has provided fee-only financial planners across the country with some of the highest standards possible for professional competency, comprehensive financial planning, and fee-only compensation. With more than 4,400 members across the country, NAPFA is the leading professional association in the United States dedicated to the advancement of fee-only financial planning. For more information, visit napfa.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Diversity in Action podcast. My name is Luis Rosa with my new co-host. Sean Tidlaska. Also, my super excited Sean. For those of you that don't know, Sean Tidlaska is, in addition to being the CEO and founder of Ballast Point Financial Planning, he's one of the co-founders of the BLX Internship Program. And he's taken the baton over from Elmlin Miles Mattingly from last season. So I'm super excited to be co-hosting with him. And we have a great lineup of speakers for you this season. So we're super excited. For those of you that don't know, just a quick little background about the BLX Internship Program. We founded it in 2020. And the intention behind it is to provide opportunities for people that are underrepresented in the financial planning industry, particularly Black and Latinx, that want to be financial planners. So either aspiring financial planners or anyone that just wants to enter the industry, we pair them with financial planning firms and fintech firms and wealth tech firms so that we can help get the industry to where it needs to be because it currently just does not match the demographics of the United States. And today we have one of our biggest supporters, which we love, and I'm going to let Sean introduce her. Take it away, Sean. Yeah, I'm excited to co-host with you, Luis. I'm excited to take over for Emlyn. I have big shoes to fill, both literally and, and figuratively. <laughs> and I'm excited to introduce Nikki Paluzzi from NAPFA. NAPFA has been a huge supporter of BLX since day one. A little bit about Nikki. She's an association executive who's been committed to building communities for over 15 years. She has worked with technology user groups, professional societies, and for the past seven years, she's been at NAPFA, most recently as the Senior Director of Member Services and Experience. Nikki's also worked with NAPFA's DEI initiative since its inception in, in 2017. She's also received the Association Forums 2022 Class of 40 Under 40 Award, has received a Digital Now's Rising Leader Awards, and has worked with NAFA's DEI initiatives to develop their award-winning DEI training and certificate program. Quite a mouthful. So excited to have you here. We'd like to start off with you just telling us a little bit about your career path, how you got started, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here with you both. So thanks for having me. Um, so I consider myself an association management professional, and no one really goes to college for that. So the way that you come to that for me, in my case, is that I graduated from Loyola University of Chicago a long time ago, and I wanted to stay in Chicago. I love the city, but I needed to pay rent. So I just started looking for opportunities that would help me to support myself. I landed a job at Smith Buckland, which is an association management company, which means basically smaller associations contract out staff time. So not a standalone situation. And it just was a really good fit. I come from a background of people who work in public service. So my dad's a nurse, my mom's a teacher, lots of teachers in my family. It's always been super important for me to serve 
communities and association management is a place that really allows you to do that. So I was at Smith Buckland for about 10 years. It is a very fast paced environment over there. I was looking for a career change. Um, I was looking for a standalone association where I could really focus my time on one group and one community. And Jeff Brown, our previous CEO, reached out to me. He and I had worked together at Smith Buckland for a long time, so I knew him. And he said, I have this membership position open, and I think that it would be a good fit. So I said, you know what? You found me at the right time, and I was able to come over to NAPFA. It's been an excellent opportunity for me. What started out as a senior manager role in membership has really expanded to be less about just membership recruitment and retention, and more about shepherding all the different communities that make up NAPTA as an organization, which means DEI, it means our women's initiative, our Genesis community, which is our young planners, all of our regional groups, and a lot of other things that I wasn't able to access when I first came to NAPTA, but now is all part of the portfolio of work that I get to do. So I love working with NAPTA. I love working with communities in general, and NAPTA is really one of the best that I've ever gotten to be a part of. So it was a great path for me, and I'm very happy that I'm here at NAPA getting to do this work and getting to meet great people and organizations like the ones that you guys were before. Awesome. I love it when someone ends up uh, choosing a career path that's not something that you can go to school for. Mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated by that. That always just comes about. And sometimes it creates a passion that maybe you didn't even know you had. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Which is amazing. And you're having so much impact in the industry by what you're doing. So we're eternally grateful. If you have any help moving or something, please let us know. <laughs> For people that might not know, why don't you just tell our audience a little bit about what NAPFA does, who makes up the community. All four co-founders of BLX were all fee-only financial planners. I've been a member of NAPFA since 2016. But maybe just explain like what NAPFA is. And then also after that, just explain a little bit more about what your role is within NAPFA. Sure. NAPFA is the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. So we are an association for fee-only financial advisors. If you're familiar with maybe FPA, but not NAPFA, FPA is kind of big tent. NAPFA is a little bit more nuanced. So you do have to be fee-only. We have earlier, when I first came to NAPFA, you know, members, which is great. Recruitment. We have grown exponentially over the past 10 years, which is really exciting at this For point. Us. And our job is really to provide community, education, advocacy. I've worked With with the DEIs planners. and to make sure that they're successful in their career 2017. Whereas what I do, I mentioned, NAPFA. I get the often you introduce me, you my title is Senior All Communities of Interest that Fall Under DEI. So our Women's Initiative, our Genesis, which is Young Planners. I'm tasked with volunteer management in general for all of our volunteers. And we have somewhere between 150 and 200 volunteers who are all great people who I love to work with. And then still for me, you know, it is important for me to continue to provide or to work with the team to provide a great experience to our members so that they want to stay with us. And then also to be looking for new members and new people to join into the community. I think that one of the cool things that I've seen about NAPFA over the past seven years that I've been here is that the community continues to change and evolve because we continue to bring more people in, whether that means career changers, folks who are new to the industry in general, um, people who maybe didn't used to be fee-only and now are, uh, younger folks. The community continues to get better and better because we are bringing in different kinds of people whose perspectives then lend themselves to strengthening the offerings that we have. I really love my job. I think that I have an opportunity to do a lot of good work for our fee-only financial planners and just looking forward to seeing what comes next. That's awesome. Let me put something into context for people. You were doing DEI work in 2017. You know, (laughs) 
It's yeah. six years ago, but that is a lifetime ago in terms of DEI, you know? Yeah, it was a different landscape then, I'll say. And I remember thinking then, like, we are late to this game. And I stand by that. I think we could have been even earlier adopters. But when I talked to my peers in the association community about when people started their DEI initiatives, generally, we were first out of the group of people who are in my network, which is cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. I feel like to some degree it's become somewhat of a hot topic, you know, especially after the death of George Floyd, which is one of the reasons why we started the BLX internship program. But you definitely one of the, the trailblazers, believe it or not, even though you felt like you were late. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Thank you again also for having Sean and I as speakers at the NAPFA Spring Conference in San Diego. That was a great conference. I mean, it was my first time. I've been in NAPFA member since 2019 or 2020 when I first launched. And yeah, it was an amazing experience. Just for anyone that has not attended, just being with like-minded professionals that are at various stages in their careers. And they all just love this industry. Very giving. One of the, the things that I get from students that I speak with and other colleagues that are new to the industry, they're just how grateful they are of how much of a community we are. Like we don't look at each other as competition. You know, everybody wants to help each other out and they're just so free with their time. They're like, yeah, let's hop on a Zoom or yeah, here's my number. Like uh, happy to talk to you about X, Y, Z, right? So really love it. And it shows, I mean, you have so many volunteers as well that it just shows that they really care about the industry itself and the people in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's go a little bit deeper into some of the DI initiatives that NAFA is working on. So for example, like the DI toolkit that I think it's on its 2.0 version now. So tell us about that one. Yeah. So the first toolkit that we did, that was back in 2019, 2020. We were working through what can we do that is actionable? Because something that I've learned from NAPFA members over the past seven years is that they really want things that are actionable and applicable. They don't mind discussing philosophy and theory, but at the end of the day, they're like, all right, Nikki, like, what can I do? Like, talk to us about what we can do. Diversity in action. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and I appreciate that because it makes it easy for me to know what to focus on. So we worked with a consultant to come up with this toolkit. And so there was a guidebook that was part of it. It's out on our website. You can still see it where it talks to you a little bit about action steps you can take, tools you can use. There's a glossary for people who are kind of at the very beginning of their DEI journey. What do all these terms mean? What does it mean when I say this? So that was part of it. The other part of it that I thought was cool was that we did these five-minute videos and we had some industry experts help us out with them. And when I look at it now, I'm really proud of it because I think it was just at the right time where we could get these people to say, we will do this for you for free. And now I'm like, I don't know that we could even get on these people's like radar because they're so busy. Like Margarita Chung is one, Chang is one person who was on our list, Sandra Davis, we had her do one. And then we had some NAPFA members who did them as well. And so that was really exciting for us. But that was back in 2020, right? So we were like, what's next for us? What are NAPFA members looking for? And one of the things that I hear from NAPFA members a lot is, I'm a small firm, I'm this kind of firm, I'm, I don't know what to do. Like, is there anything I can do? The DEI initiative had this idea, which was great to go out and interview NAPFA firms. So we interviewed six different firms of varying sizes, employee-wise, client-wise, different focuses in the DEI space, right? Because DEI means a lot of different things. So we had a woman-owned firm. We had a really large firm. So Buckingham Strategic Wealth was one of the ones that did it with us. We had solo practitioners, et cetera. And the objective was really for them to tell us their story. And we I know you did one for us, so you know about this. But so we wanted to hear, you know, where did you start? What have you learned? And what are you doing now and next? so that we could share that with NAPFA members. So we're getting really close to being able to release that, which is awesome. I'm so excited about it. 
It was a fun project to do. It was really cool to hear all the things that NAPFA members are doing, because I think sometimes we think like everyone's doing the same three things. And that's not true. I heard a lot of different things from a lot of different firms. We had Mike Walther from Oak Wealth, who focuses on special needs planning, which was really cool. And not everybody always thinks about that when they think about diversity, but super important. We had one common thread that I thought was very cool from a lot of our firms, people saying basically, people told me not to focus on this, or people told me I couldn't be successful if this was a focus of mine. And all the firms proved their critics wrong, which to me was a really cool lesson. So that should be posted sometime in June, and we will definitely be promoting it out to our community. It's something we want people to be able to access to see what they can do, ideas they can take from these people who have already done such good work. Because to your point earlier, NAPFA members love to share. So they're not afraid of other people stepping into their space, doing something they've done before. They just want to see other NAPFA members succeed. And I think this is a good example of the community coming together and saying, yep, let's share what we've done so that we can make the industry and the profession better for everyone. Yeah, that's amazing. And speaking of sharing, is the original toolkit available on the website to non-members as well? Yep, it's available to everyone. Most of our DEI stuff, is available to everyone because we think it's important that everyone's able to access it. You can find that out on our website if you click around into our DEI initiative pages. Yeah, we'll put a link in the resources section of the show notes. And it's also in the resources section of the BLX internship as well, blxinternship.org and go to resources. And there's a direct link there as well for the toolkit, which is excellent, excellent resource. So thank you for that. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us also about the DEI certificate program that you guys are working on. This was a labor of love that actually started with John Ang, who is one of the co-chairs of the DEI initiative. He came to me a few years ago and said, with a PowerPoint, he had created a PowerPoint and he was like, I want to present you with this idea that I have. And he laid out this plan by which we could really help to educate our community about DEI through a training and certificate program. And I looked at it and I remember saying, this is a great idea. We should do this. And thinking like in my head, but like, I don't know how to do this. Like, this is not in my wheelhouse. I am not a professional development person. I don't know the first thing about this. But the good news is, is that the Napa community in general, again, really good at sharing. I started to do some research. Everyone had good ideas of people that I could reach out to, to build out our modules. Again, Luis, I know you've done one of those for us. You were one of the people I went out to. But the first thing I did was go to consulting companies and say, could you build this for us? And I started to hear, yeah, we could build this for you. But as I worked with the committee and I talked to the initiative folks, it became apparent to me that while it would look very fresh and it would look very clean and professional, it might not really resonate with NAPFA members if we brought in a consultant who didn't know anything about the profession to do this for us. And so the harder work began because I thought we've got to find people who understand DEI and understand the profession to do these modules for us. And that took time. In the end, we used a combination of academics and practitioners to do it for us. And I think it came out really great. The format of the program is that there are four on-demand modules that you have to watch before you attend a live workshop. For access reasons, we do that usually once at a conference in person and then once virtually. And something exciting that we're working on right now is trying to actually roll that out to corporate firms who want to do it as kind of a corporate training program. And then also we're doing it in the fall for the FPA of Minnesota. They came to us and asked us if we would be interested in presenting it to their group, which we are. I think there are a lot of opportunities for us to share this with the community. Every one that we've done gets great feedback 
especially around the small group discussions, again, because NAPA members want to do things that are actionable. But I think that one of the most powerful things about the program is that advisors created it. They ultimately understand the landscape and what the challenges are, what the opportunities are, and have lived it. And so I think that that, in the end, made it a very powerful offering. We've done it three times so far. We have, like I said, the FPA one scheduled for the fall and a virtual one that will be in September and open for registration hopefully in the next month or two. But it's been really great to see people react to it and have such positive reactions to something that the team worked so hard on for probably over a year. But watching it play out, I think, knowing that John had an idea and I had no clue at the beginning to what it is today is really fulfilling. And it's really something that's been exciting for NAPA. What does the content look like? Is it a presentation and then you talk about it in small groups? Like kind of what does it look like uh, when you're rolling it out? Yeah. So the way that it works is that there are four modules. Those are all presentations. So we have someone come and do a presentation on a different module topic. They're anywhere between like 25 minutes and an hour, basically. And then at the live workshop, what we do is go back over those topics at a high level. So you can't skip that. If you skip the pre-work, you're in trouble because we're going to spend the whole time talking about it. And then you break into small group discussions at your tables and talk about specific action items that you can take around those things. The feedback that we've gotten is that that's really like the powerful part of the whole program. It's great to learn things, but it's more important to figure out how to apply them. We also have a keynote speaker come in for the live workshop to tie it all together for us, to tie all the different modules together, get everybody like acclimated to ground rules. So we feel like it's a safe space. Everybody knows that they have to engage and have conversation. Otherwise, it doesn't really work. And then we go into all those module and small discussion breakouts and then wrap up with really sharing in the large group the things that we've learned and, and what we're going to kind of do next as organizations, as people as employees, et cetera. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, having that safe place to talk about these issues and what to do is really important. Getting back to the toolkit and the interviews that you did, I know advisors are always looking for ideas for things that they can bring back to their firms. Was there anything that stood out to you about some unique things that some firms were doing to help make the profession more inclusive or make their firm more inclusive? Anything that stands out to you? Yeah, so one thing that I thought was cool, and so this is a large firm thing, is that Buckingham has created all these employee resource groups. They have a number of different groups for a number of different employees, and some of them are open to anyone. So even if you don't identify as whatever the group is, you can come in as an ally and be part of that conversation. And those seem to be really cool because they're started by employees. So it's not like the organization says we have to have these seven groups. They say, you know, if you want to start a group, let's start a group and let's make sure that we talk about that. They also have a good structure with a DEI committee. I know, again, not everybody can do this because it's a large firm thing. But to me, that really stood out as a place where they're being really proactive about their diversity initiatives. Another one that is just a small thing, but I don't stop thinking about so Mike Walther over at Oak Wealth, he focuses on special needs clients. And so one of the things, and I've actually been to his office because it's just up the road here in Chicago and on the North Shore. One of the things that he does is all of the artwork in his office is created by folks with disabilities. It's just interesting to see how he really incorporates what his values are and what communities he serves in the small things that he does in his office. So his reality really reflects his values. Just remember hearing that and I don't stop thinking about it and I got to see it and it's very cool. I think that things like that 
that are not maybe things that you think about as like, oh, this is a DEI thing that I should do. But thinking about that holistically, I think, leads you to some interesting actions that you can take to really make people feel welcomed and included and, and part of your culture. Yeah, you know, I really love that. It's beyond just race and ethnicity. And that really highlights that, you know, there are so many different groups that are underrepresented. So that's where the now you see that a lot of people use the EIB and the Beast for belonging because it's such a wide range of individuals out there. And I know you are working on other initiatives as well for younger advisors, women as well. So can you tell us about your genesis and women initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I'll say is that we have been working and he does one of the modules for us. He's spoken to our volunteers. He's spoken at our conferences. We've worked with a gentleman named Dr. James Pope, who really, I think, was the catalyst for us changing the way we thought about DEI at Napa. Before, I know, I guess I can only speak for myself specifically, but we were really focused on race and ethnicity. And he introduced us to what he calls like the eight dibs, which are all the different lenses through which you should see diversity. And I don't have them memorized, but, you know, they include gender, they include geography, religion, politics, et cetera. And while you can't always focus on all of them, it's good to at least be thinking about all the different things. For Genesis, for example, that's our group of young planners. They are 33 and under in age. They're obviously usually newer to the profession. We do a lot of work with them around what we call traditionally soft skills and then also career pathways. A lot of Napa Genesis members want to figure out how to be partners at their firms or they want to eventually start their own firms. And we have to help them with that. One of our charges is to make sure they're successful. And so many times young planners call me and say like, Nikki, I, I'm thinking about leaving my firm. What should I do? And I'm like, okay, well, let's get you with the other Genesis folks who can talk you through this. They have scholarships for people to attend conferences so they can have that experience. They actually did scholarships for the DEI certificate and training program uh, at this last spring conference. So they also see things through a DEI lens. They do webinars and conversation circles for NAPFA. So conversation circles are just these one hour long interactive Zoom discussions in small groups. And so they organize themselves to make sure that they can get together and network with their peers. They have a book club that they put together so that they can talk about topics that have to do with their careers as a small group again. But it's really cool to watch them get organized and to take control of their career. And I think they do it better because they have each other. That's been really rewarding for me to see. And then from the women's initiative side, you know, that group has been around probably the longest out of all of NAPA's communities of interest. Unfortunately, I will say that like we do a lot of work in this space, but that number, 29% of NAPA members are women, and it is hard to make that number change. We have been working on it for a long time. It's slightly higher than the number of CFPs who are women, but still, that's not a great number either. So we're always yeah. working like 23, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah. So we're not that much higher, but they have been doing and focused on a lot of mentorship work over the past couple of years. So when I first came to Napa, the Women's Initiative was great. It was a place for women to belong, but they didn't have the space or resources to do a lot of content production or resource sharing. And now they do. They launched a mentorship program last year uh, for women in the profession. They started it again this year. Uh, it just kicked off. It has about 15 pairs of mentors and mentees, and it's gotten great feedback. They give out scholarships to women students who are in financial planning. They also do a number of content things around uh, magazine articles and conversation circles, and they show up to conference and have a reception there, and they sponsor sessions. It's just another good way for us to get folks 
connected and involved. And really for them, it's about everything from figuring out how to get more women into the profession in the first place to then making sure that they have fulfilling and successful careers the whole time. And, you know, all NAPA members are good at sharing, but the Women's Initiative, I think, in particular, is really doubled down on collaboration, on making sure that people have the resources and mentors that they need and that they are doing everything in their power to make it easier for this next group of women who are choosing financial planning as their career. One of the challenges that we found in the profession is just getting that first job, especially for young planners who are trying to get into the profession, which is why we started the BLX internship program. I know you're in charge of volunteers. And one of the big events for NAPA are the conferences and just meeting people and networking. What volunteer opportunities are there for someone who wants to maybe help with like being a speaker liaison or help get involved with the conferences themselves? Yeah, so we actually are just as great timing, Sean. So thank you for asking me. So we're about to launch our volunteer recruitment, our call for volunteers. We do it once a year. This is where you can sign up for anything from a conference committee to working on the DEI initiative to just doing a little bit of project work. It will come out June 6th. There will be links on our website. I think for me, when I first came to NAPA, we didn't have a documented volunteer recruitment or management program. And it was really like, who do you know that could fill this role? And eventually I was like, we're growing too fast for this and we need to engage with all these new people who are joining us. And so we've really worked hard to make sure that there are opportunities for people who are at every stage of their career, every level of NAPFA membership, every kind of interest level. So whether you're like an introvert, you are someone who needs to be in a group environment, you've got like one hour a year, you've got one hour a week. We want to make sure that people feel welcome to volunteer and that they understand that we are not just saying that. We truly believe that the more perspectives and different kinds of folks we have, the better we will be as an organization. I think you can see that when you look around our room of volunteers, it is much more diverse than our membership. And I think that's a testament to the work that we're trying to do to make people feel included and like they belong and that we need them because we do. But that volunteer recruitment call will be open for a month. People are welcome to go out there and take a look. We would love to have lots of volunteers so that we can make sure that there's a space for everyone and that we continue to grow and thrive as a community. But it's very popular and I'm very excited to open it up next week and see who comes in. My favorite thing I think about volunteer recruitment is when I get a bunch of applications and there are all people who I've never talked to or heard of before, because I think that that really is a testament that people want to be part of this organization and they want to serve the community. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, we'll make sure to really push that out to let people know that they have a chance to volunteer if they want to. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll put links on the show notes as well for the website. What is the website to NAP5 if anyone wants to go in there and check out all the cool things you're doing? Yeah, so it's just www.napfa.org. We'll include some specific notes like you guys said, but if you go out there, you can kind of comb through all the different things we have going on. Which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends, right, Nikki? <laughs> it doesn't end, but it's so fun because it's growing. I've worked for a lot of associations that aren't, and I can tell you that that's less fun. You know, when I am busy, I do try to pause and say like, but you're busy for all the right reasons. And so that's exciting. Very true. And, you know, I wanted to go back a little to the genesis. Sure. Because you were talking about career paths. And I think that's so important. It's one of the things that Sean and I had discussed in the presentation that we did at the NAFRA Spring Conference. And it's like for the larger firms out there that are hiring, developing some sort of track where people can see themselves growing within your firm. Because getting that first job is the hard thing. But then once you're in, 
then you also want to know what's next, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you guys do an amazing job at making sure like mentorship is a big component of it. People want that assistance. They want mentorship. They want guidance. And Sean does this very well at his firm, having like a, he has a whole like financial planning. What do you call it? A residency, right, Sean? Yeah. So it, there's like a clear path for people and then they can go separate ways depending on what they want to do. So I really love that. It's amazing. People want clarity, I think is what it is, right? I mean, nobody wants to feel like I don't understand what my next steps are. And to be honest with you, I'm hoping that our other firms like Sean's that are growing and larger start to kind of figure it out. Because I think that what happens sometimes is that people call me and they're like, I'm just going to start my own firm, which is a totally legitimate thing to do. But it's like, I don't always know that that needs to be the answer if we can define those career paths and that they can feel fulfilled and like they're professionally growing where they already are. And I think that that's something that definitely needs to be addressed in the space. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, like me, for example, I didn't set out to launch my own RIA. You know, I kind of felt like I just didn't fit in well where I was before. And, and I saw that as the answer, but it's not really for everybody. You know, being a, in my case, solopreneur, and wearing all the different hats, it takes you away from doing really what you love, you know? And mm -hmm. I heard a statistic the other day, it was like advisors, like they do like 80% was stuff just like running their business, like worrying about compliance and social media, yeah, lead generation and all this is like, you need more time to actually working with clients, which is the reason you got into the industry in the first place, right? <laughs> right, totally. But I joke and people, sometimes they say it when they call me, people call me, it's around like 32. And if you call me unexpectedly, that's what you're probably calling me to tell me. Like, and I get those calls that are like, call me back. I have to talk to you about something. And I'm like, they're, they're starting their own firm. Like, that's what they're doing. You know, it's something that's really prevalent. It's something that needs to be addressed by some of these firms that are growing and looking at their G2 leadership or their G3 leadership. Like, how do we make sure that we have a good group? Because once you lose those planners, then what do you do as an owner? Like, now what? I think that's been on my mind for sure. And it's something that the Genesis group is continually trying to figure out and assist their community with. Yeah, and about half of NAFA members are solo practitioners, is that right? Yeah, it's between 40 and 50%. Yeah, that's pretty large. Yeah. Great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on and taking the time and being such a great advocate and supporter and ally. And uh, I mean, you guys have been there from day one since we launched the BLX internship program. So that's why I'm always very giving back to if you ever need anything, you know, we're always here as well. <laughs> Yeah, I was so glad you guys started the program because I remember the year before the BLX internship program started, we were trying to start our own internship program and it just, we didn't know what we were doing and it flopped totally. And when you guys started, I was like, this is the answer. And it actually, I think was a catalyst for a lot of our DEI amplification work when I realized there are 10 people at NAFA headquarters and we cannot do everything. Like volunteers have limited time. And so we started to think about partnerships. And so I think BLX is probably the OG one that we were like, this is the one that we will start with. But now, you know, we work with Quad A, we work with Chip. Like we've just opened ourselves up to figuring out who does things more successfully than we could do them and how can we partner with them. So we love being a partner with you. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, shout out to uh, Quad A and Chip as well. They're doing amazing work as well. You know, it's a team effort, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need everyone. <laughs> Everyone's included, not just the underrepresented. Yeah. You need allies as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Sean, you want to hit us with some of the wrap-up questions? We're going to put Nikki in the hot seat now. <laughs> yeah, related to that, Nikki, uh, you've been involved since uh, 2017 with DEI. What does diversity mean to you? Why is it important? What is your why for raising your hand and getting involved? Well, first of all, 
when Jeff came to me and was like, are you interested in being involved with the DEI initiative? I was like, yes, because personally, this is just something that's always been important to me. So it's pretty cool when your personal and your professional like values line up. And I know that doesn't happen for everyone, but I think it's really great. To me, I think that diversity means not only that everyone is like invited, because I think that's part of it, but I think the rest of it is that everyone is able to make a meaningful contribution. Not only are we saying, come on in, be part of this community, whatever it may be, but we're saying we really value your perspective and we want you to contribute. We want you to be yourselves and we want you to feel like you belong. I think that my approach or my thoughts about what diversity means evolve over time. And that's the cool thing about it. It's not where I started five or six years ago. I'm probably not going to be in the same place five or six years from now. But that to me is really the crux of it is like, how do we make sure that people not only are here, but that they feel like what they're doing is important and it's valued. Oh, very cool. And as you look out towards the future, how would you define success for our profession in regards to DEI? If you're looking out, say, over the next three years, I know there's a lot of... I'm going to say, like, how far in the future are we looking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of big factors at play, but to like kind of see some progress and to see some movement, like what would success look like? I would say for me, something I'm always thinking about, you know, is diversity, equity, and inclusion at NAPA just baked into the culture? So it's part of our strategic plan. It's one of the three pillars of our strategic plan. So it's important to us. But at the very beginning of this, anything that was done with the DEI lens, like starting in 2017, was done through the DEI initiative. So that's who did the DEI work at NAPFA. And we're now to a place where we're starting to say, like, the DEI work is everybody's work. It's not just that committee's work. And in three years, I would love to see that it's just effortless. Like, it is just a part of the culture all around. I think we're definitely getting there. I see volunteer groups starting to think about DEI when they think about volunteer recruitment, when they think about leadership positions, when they think about what programs they're going to support, and what speakers they're going to have at a conference. But I would love to see that as like an effortless thing that just is baked into the culture and the processes of what we're doing in the organization. And then obviously, you know, I want to make movement on our statistics always. It's That's the part that I think is the hardest because it's such a long game and you can't let yourself get defeated because so much of our membership still doesn't mirror the country. And we know that that's going to take a long time. It's easy to just be like, oh, we're not making progress. But then I look at things, like I said earlier, like what our volunteer force looks like compared to our membership and what our leadership looks like. And the fact that our board of directors said last summer, we have three strategic initiative pillars and one is DEI. To me, we're getting there. I would like it to feel, like I said, more effortless, I think is the word. But I think to me, that's what I'm hoping to be able to see NAPFA accomplish in the next few years. Yeah, we know the feeling. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And I think the other thing that I say, and I say this to other, so I belong to an association of association professionals because there's truly an association for everything. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, it is. People always think it's funny, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, you guys have an association. I need one too. Like, where do you think these ideas come from? Um, so I belong to their welcoming environment committee. And so I get the chance to talk to a lot of people who DEI is important to, but maybe they haven't gotten as far as NAPFA has. And I say to them always, like, just pick a thing and do it. Like, you have to keep doing things. You can't ruminate on it forever. You can't make it 120% perfect before you release it to your community. Like, we have made missteps. Like, specific, I have made missteps. But I feel like the community is, look, they're doing things. And then they're learning from the things that they messed up. And they're doing different things or they're focusing on the place where we wanted them to focus. And so my advice is always just, you've got to keep doing things in the DEI space and trying things and moving along. When you overthink about it, 
I think you have that like analysis paralysis where you're just like, okay, well now I'm just, it's too hard. We're never going to look like the whole country, but we're just not going to do anything. And that's not the answer. And you have to get into that like step-by-step mindset to be successful or to keep a positive attitude about the work that you're doing. Yeah, that's great advice. Absolutely. I wanted to ask about another project you guys are working on. I forgot to ask you earlier, which uh, Napa Nation podcast. Tell us about that. So we've had a podcast for a few years. We rebranded it this year as Napa Nation. Before that, it was called Mindset Mastery. So we just felt like we needed the name Napa in it. It's a place where we talk to people in the profession who we think are important, who have important and interesting things to say. This year, we've been focused a little bit more on DEI, which has been exciting for me. I know that I think you did the first one of the year, actually. I feel like this whole thing is like showing your audience how I'm overutilizing and perhaps taking advantage of your generosity. (laughs) No, no, never, never. You've been there from the start. I told you. you (laughs) (laughs) But so we've been able to focus on, so we had Bridget Grimes and Katie Burke on there from Equita. So that's a network of women-owned firms. So that was really important to us. We are going to have Dana Wilson from Chip on later this year. We've had some of our founders on. So we really try again to get like a diversity of perspectives and other folks on there so that we can give our members some resources, things that they can think about and people who have success stories. But that's been really exciting to see it be a little bit different this year. And we are excited to see where we can take it next year. I love it. Yeah, we'll be putting a link in the show notes as well, but it's available on Apple, probably other platforms as well, I'm sure. But we'll put a link in the show notes for Napa Nations. Another great podcast to listen to. So, Nikki, before we let you go, I want to ask you a personal question. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite personal finance tip or concept or book you've ever read or the best piece of financial advice you've ever gotten? I feel like so for me, it's hard, right? Because I have I'm in this like unique position of having like 4,500 people to give me (laughs) advice about financial planning and financial literacy in general. So I guess I'll go like super simple. I am a person who grew up in a family where my parents were very young. They were 19 and 20 when they had me. We didn't grow up with a ton of money. Like I said, public service, so nurse, teacher. So for me, it's been really important always to, you know, one, like take advantage of my education to make sure that I can support myself. That was always huge for me. And then just to make sure that I am paying myself first always. So I'm a big saver. Sometimes my friends make fun of me. They say it's because I'm from New England and that's how we are there. Like we can't spend our money and that's fine. But to me, that's always been really important to make sure that that's something I'm doing for myself and for my family. So I always feel comfortable, you know, with the resources that I have. I love it. Thank you. That's amazing. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Also for everything that you're doing and continue to do. And we're excited to be able to share those as soon as those things are available and launch, let us know. We'll be happy to push those out as well on our newsletter and social media channels. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I love to talk about the work NAP is doing and to speak with you guys. And you've been such good supporters. I truly appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Nikki. To learn more about NAPFA, go to NAPFA.org. If you want to learn more about the BLX Internship Program, go to blxinternship.org or send us an email at info at blxinternship.org. Welcome to season two, everyone, and stay tuned for other great, amazing guests. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Diversity in Action podcast. To learn more about the BLX Internship Program and sign up for our newsletter, please visit our website at blxinternship.org.